0: You know, I've met a lot of people who do deliverance on themselves and end up a lot worse. Have you ever met people like that? Where they say, Oh yeah, I went home and I just cast out fear and I cast out rage and they're literally worse than they were. That's because they don't understand the laws of deliverance. There's laws of the spirit and we have to be very careful because if we start trying to cast demons out and we don't understand how to walk out what we cast out, then we'll end up with seven more demons. Than we had to begin with jesus said when you cast out the devil it goes looking for dry places when it can't find any it finds its house swept clean and empty and it goes back and brings seven other demons more worse worse than the one that you got that you cast out this is almost an epidemic in the body of christ with, with certain ones thinking they can cast this out, this out and that out that's not even the demon you have you don't even have that demon you're calling it by name so you're stirring up warfare in your life Doing an interview for this new book deliver yourself from evil So the first chapter is how to use the book the second chapter deals with the the deliverance ministry of jesus you need to have a precedent and understand that jesus cast out devils everywhere he went then we talk about how demons enter your mind and your body because if you don't know how the devil got in, you might not be able to shut him out when he comes knocking again, and he's going to come knocking. He's going to come knocking. We're going to talk about the signs that you might need deliverance because here's another trend I'm seeing. People think deliverance is like the magic bullet or the the red pill, the blue pill. I mean, they think somehow that that's going to solve all their problems. But every issue in your life is not a demon. I said it's not always a demon. Sometimes it's just your flesh and you need to crucify you can't cast out the flesh You got to crucify it so there's signs in here that tell if you're demonically oppressed then the ABCs of self-deliverance that's where we go through the preparation there's things you need to know there's things you need to do there's things you need to understand and also demonic groupings which is a big one and walking out your deliverance but this is literally an a to z god you can see it right here it's alphabetized just for you and like i said you're not just gonna walk in there and just go oh Oh, that's my issue you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit I want to invite you to get this book you can deliver yourself from evil Jesus cast out devils everywhere he went by the power of the Holy Spirit now Christ the deliverer and the Holy Spirit dwell in you that means you can release prayers that activate self-deliverance from demonic oppression In my new book, I'm gonna help you do that. I'm gonna teach you how to identify open doors that have allowed demons to establish strongholds in your mind. I'm gonna teach you how to discern the undisputed signs that you need deliverance. I'm gonna share with you hundreds of self-deliverance activation prayers. And you're gonna discover how to shut the enemy out of your life for good with keys to walking out your deliverance. These are strategic self-deliverance prayers, which cover common issues like fear and abandonment, but also other issues that people are too embarrassed to discuss. These self-activation prayers and decrees will position you for breakthrough and force the enemy to flee. You can deliver yourself from evil there are people here
1: that you've been facing spiritual mute uh situation a spiritual mute situation where every time you try to lift your prophetic voice you just can't get the utterance you just can't get the function you know when you get delivered from a mute spirit and you become vocal in the things of God it's quite the opposite you got to tell yourself don't prophesy right now don't speak right now somebody else is doing it right now I mean when you get free from a mute spirit it just flows out of you and when you get up in the morning prophesying you prophesy over your lunch, you prophesy on your job, you prophesy in your car, you prophesy to your children, you prophesy to your pets, you prophesy to your family. I believe there's deliverance today from a mute spirit. How many have felt like in your prophetic life that things have been a little bit muted? Just stand up right now quickly. Come on. We're going to perform self-deliverance right now. We're going to cast the devil out of ourselves right now. We're going to enforce the reality of the kingdom of God. Uh, We're going to confess this together. Say, I am not mute. I function in the prophetic. I move in the prophetic. I am prophetic. I am powerful. I am anointed. I hear. I see. I know. Now, here it goes. I cast out the mute spirit. I command you, in the name of Jesus, come out of me i resist you i bind you i break your power now with authority tell it go in the name of jesus come on four or five times tell it go 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 go. and then pray in tongues and praise god we command mute spirits go we call prophetic function and function and flow we call it forth now
2: If you want to walk in self-deliverance recognize that you have a problem number two is repent of any known sins the lord brings to your mind number three is renounce anything that you need to renounce number four is release yourself in the name of jesus number five is resist the devil when he tries to come back and regain entry number six is replace whatever the lord has been removing from your life number seven is begin to renew your mind by confessing god's word number eight is remain planted in God's house. And the last one is number nine remove any objects from your house, computer, your phone, or your life that connect you to your past sin.
3: This week's topic deals with self deliverance. Now, it would seem that I would run out of Uh, topics to talk about with deliverance, right? I mean, you could just do one podcast, you might think one episode of a podcast and cover deliverance. But actually, there's a lot of different facets and moving parts when it comes to things that are taught in deliverance ministry. And this will not be the last... (laughs) Episode uh, dealing with deliverance ministry. I like to cover the different areas of it because there's mass deliverance and then they focus on different spirits that aren't even listed in scripture and different practices that are done, different people. Uh, the history of it's important to understand. The, obviously, the, the most important is what the Bible has to say about it, uh, especially Christian deliverance, uh, which I think you probably know where I stand on that based on past episodes if you've listened to them. But today we're talking about self-deliverance and self-deliverance is something that is taught and there's many books if you go on Amazon. I always find this very fun to do is go on Amazon and do an advanced search for books and just type in the keywords that I'm looking for and to see how many books are out there with this type of title or this phrase. And would you know that there are 4,000 books in that result, just for the keyword self-deliverance. Now, some of those may not fall into the category of what I'm going to be talking about today of self-deliverance. Some of them were actually talking about uh, end-of-life, assisted end-of-life and things. But when we're talking about Christian deliverance ministry, there's many books out there. So I wanted to cover this today. I'm going to talk a little bit about one particular book that came out twice. Uh, It came out in 2019, and then it came out again recently within the past year or so, by a well-known leader in the prophetic movement and deliverance movement. And so we're going to talk about that and then talk about another small teaching that was online that was sent to me by a sister in Christ. Is it possible for us to deliver ourselves? If we Hold on to some sort of title like that of self deliverance? What does that even mean? And is there a better subject to talk about as believers in Christ that helps us in our understanding as far as battling things while we're in this fallen world as born again believers while also having a sinful nature to contend with? I believe there is. So stick with me as we dive into this topic today. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe Podcast where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six scribe. In Matthew chapter 6, we find what is known as the Lord's Prayer. We know that Jesus didn't pray this prayer himself because he didn't need deliverance from temptation and such But he was giving instruction for his disciples and for those of us today who are following him and are believers in Christ in how to pray. And one of the things that he said was right at the end, this is something that some of the deliverance ministers like to focus on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some translations say, deliver us from the evil one. And in deliverance ministry, this verse, along with others, is used to point to the fact that deliverance is for Christians, that we have demons that need to be cast out. But that's actually not what this verse is even saying. And if we even look at this passage, we're looking to see that there's temptation there that we're praying that God would lead us away from. And we know that God does not entice us to be tempted. We would ask that He would lead us away from those circumstances And when we're in those circumstances, that he would help us, that he would deliver us. He is the deliverer. I would encourage you to look at Matthew 6 and do a study on this, even on the very word temptation that's used there. I think it will be helpful to you. I'm bringing up this passage because there was a book that came out a few years ago titled Deliver Yourself from Evil, written by Jennifer LeClaire and Ryan Lestrange. That book was published by Destiny Image, and it is no longer available, but Jennifer LeClaire republished it last year under her own name as the sole author. Same title, same description, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And I wanted to go through it, and I've been trying to get my hands actually on the old copy, but it's not in print any longer, and whenever I try to get it secondhand, it doesn't seem to work out. So we're just going to talk about this topic anyway today, regardless whether I have that book in my possession or not. Because I can actually look at some of the videos online and just the description of this book in order to help you understand what self-deliverance is, if maybe you've never heard of it before, or if you've come out of this and you can have some understanding of what scripture has to say that's a better message today than than self-deliverance. I want to help you with that today in case you're struggling with that and still leaning back on these practices such as self-deliverance. I think you'll find this helpful because there's something better that the Scripture points to and instructs us in as believers, as true believers in Christ, in order to understand how we are to walk in this world and from what Christ has saved us. Now, when you look at Jennifer LeClaire's book and and the book that her and Ryan both wrote back in 2019, it's an interesting thing because, uh, as I said before, the title is still the same and the, and the subtitle was self deliverance decrees prayers and activations that break every chain. Nevertheless, Jennifer now has the the rights to this book and so she has republished it. it so it's not new material. It it kind of seemed like that in the videos that I like the clip I just played at the beginning that it was new material, but it really wasn't. When she published it in 2022, it was an it was a book that was originally co-authored in 2019. So with that, I want to share with you the the description found on the back of this book for both editions. I I checked them both, and they were both the same. It says, set yourself free through the power of Jesus. If Jesus, the Deliverer, lives within you, you have the supernatural ability to break free from the enemy's oppression. In Deliver Yourself from Evil, spiritual warfare leaders Jennifer LeClaire and Ryan Lestrange, now it's just Jennifer, as I said, provide easy-to-follow teaching. On how to recognize signs of demonic oppression, defend against common strategies of evil, and banish the devil from your life. Learn how to identify 12 key entry points of darkness, including generational curses, works of the flesh, deception, soul ties, etc. Discern the 10 signs of demonic oppression in your life. Activate your own self-deliverance through confession and prophetic declaration. Get free and stay free by learning practical keys to walking out your deliverance. Included an A-Z list of strategic warfare confessions and prophetic declarations to help you overcome the tactics of Satan from abandonment in the spirit of Absalom to trauma and yoga. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, access his power today, and demolish every attack of darkness in your life. Now, I was able to look at a little sample online on Amazon of Jennifer's book, and it's in the newest edition of Deliver Yourself from Evil. And she stated that you have to apply faith in God for the deliverance the same way you apply faith in God for healing. This (laughs) echoes of word of faith type teaching, really. And if you're familiar with any of this, I mean, there is some history with deliverance ministry with Kenneth Hagin, who was word of faith. So again, a lot of this commingles together. But the fact that she's saying you have to apply faith in God for deliverance, the same way you apply faith in God for healing, is an interesting thing to say because, it, again, it it creates this thought process that you have to do something in order for you to be free, in order for you to be healed, in order for you to be whole. And I would just push back on that and say, first of all, that God is concerned about the, the whole person. Uh, body, soul, and spirit, and uh, he doesn't compartmentalize in a in a born again believer. The Holy Spirit doesn't just reside in the spirit, and then the body and soul is constantly uh, battle with demons going in and out of our body and souls. That's Scripture doesn't even support that for a born again believer. And I know Matthew twelve will be referenced as she did in the beginning, uh, but uh, as I've said before in other episodes. Matthew 12 is not even talking about a born-again believer, and I would encourage you to study the, the context of Matthew 12 when he's talking about leaving and then the house is swept and put in order and it's empty and comes back with seven more. She applied that verse as if it was applied to believers but that's not what the passage is saying. So I think that there's great hope that we have and joy in scripture when we apply it properly to our lives. When we pr- apply the instruction in a proper way to our lives. Otherwise, we're turning into legalists when when we're applying scriptures in a wrong way and we're telling people that are professing believers that they're always going to have demons. They're always you're always going to struggle and and there's never any point of reprieve for you. And then the other thing when I read this, and I'm not going to go through the A to Z list or anything like that, so don't don't worry about that. I'm not going to get into the weeds with that because it's everything under the sun, basically. I mean, when you listen to these videos, you hear them address fear and phobias and generational curses and the occult and... Um, Sin, uh, habitual sin, trauma, soul ties, any types of uh, curses other than generational curses. You hear them uh, mention about any sin. I mean, it's basically repackaging deliverance and making a subset of self-deliverance. There's no difference as far as that's concerned. However, at the same time, we have to address self-deliverance because the practice of it is not biblical. And I've heard Jennifer say things like this in one of her videos.
0: Yes, self-deliverance is real. But it can make a mess. It's not something you want to just go into lightly. And and really, you know, it's not really self-deliverance in the sense that God is delivering you. You're not delivering yourself, but you are endeavoring to cast the devil out.
3: She's going to go on to share personal stories about casting fear out of herself that someone prayed during a prayer meeting that she sensed. uh, in a situation that happened and she's going to touch on some scriptures there, which I I, want to point out a couple of things is that when these things are taught about self-deliverance and she contradicted herself (laughs) within several seconds of those statements is saying self-deliverance is real. And then several seconds later going, well, it's not really self-deliverance because God's delivering you, but you're endeavoring to cast a demon out of yourself and then quickly moved on. Well, the problem is, is that scripture doesn't support this. Uh, there's verses that are used for this. Um, I, I've heard another minister we'll talk about in just a little bit. We're going to look at a short video that he did, and y- and you heard one of his uh, clips in here, Vlad Savchuk. But he talks about self deliverance. He actually talks about he has like five different videos on his YouTube channel about self deliverance. It's it's rather interesting, but you'll hear them talk about. They'll use different verses out of context, and he tries to support with self deliverance. Is biblical based on Proverbs six three and six five, which has to do with financial debt. But he says because the word de- deliver is used there in the translation he's using, that that means that self deliverance is a biblical principle. So there's that. And then you have these other teachings. I've heard Mike Signorelli and other people say things that, well, the devil has legal rights to you in the world. And they're getting that from Derek Prince and other people that taught this for years about the legal, that, that Satan has a legal right to you if you sin or if you do other things. He has a legal right to enter you. And from my understanding, there is nothing in Scripture that supports that belief when you're talking about born-again believers that Satan can just inhabit you because you sin. And then they'll try to backpedal and say, well, not every time that you sin, but you know there are times when you continue to give yourself over to it or if you have generational curses or uh, Signorelli said something about that you can have genetic freedom from false religion.
2: And so again, when you're doing self-deliverance, you may not be aware of the extent of what is literally been traveling down through the generations. And so you may say, I was always raised as a Christian, not realizing that genetically, come on, even in your DNA, in your inheritance, there is something that you need freedom from in a false religion.
3: It was in this same video that he started with talking about how the first time he cast a demon out, it was out of himself, and he was in his bathroom, and he was throwing up, violently throwing up. And he talks about this, in this clip, he mentions about how he had his uh, DNA... Uh, broken down he did the ancestry.com and he found out that he had um, a certain percentage of Indian in him from from actual the country India and that they were from the Brahmin area and that that was tied to false religion and so he's making this correlation with that and basically I guess he felt like he needed self-deliverance from from his ancestors from the ancestral DNA from the the Brahmins I hope that you see here, when, when people talk about the legal rights that demons have to you, even as a born-again believer, that now they're talking about going to the the DNA, the genetic component, and I mentioned this before on, a, on the, the book review of Alexander Pagani's book, The Secrets to Deliverance, because he seems to believe the same thing, about down to the genetic code in your body that you can have demons attached to you through ancestors and such. There are people that teach that you can... Uh, that you can confess the sins of your ancestors. I know Vlad has talked about that. There's lots of these different things that they're saying, but you'll notice that they don't have much of any scripture. I mean, I listened to some of these and there was little to any scripture that, that they reference when they talk about the lists of these things that are to be found in a believer's life and, and needing deliverance from. And then when they do use scripture, it's not even applying to the teaching of self-deliverance. And so it's, again, it's a repackaging of Christian deliverance ministry, and it's making a subset of it and telling you, well, you know, you need to do, learn how to do self-deliverance, and then making these promises in this book like they did with, with LeClaire's book, and she's not the only one that's done this, but making promises in these books saying, learn how to stay free forever. You can get free and stay free. Well, if that's the case, then we don't need any more books, after this. And then furthermore, it really, when you look at it, it undermines scripture. It undermines the word of God because you're making promises to somebody and saying, well, if you read my book, then you're going to not only get free, you're going to stay free. But then you, how many of these people are reading these books and then they're continuing to battle with this? And it's an ongoing cycle. It's an ongoing hamster wheel that these people are on that are subjected to this bondage, this legalism, and they're being told this, but they're not knowing and understanding what Scripture has to say about true freedom in Christ. And then to also touch on the fact, too, that uh, Mike Signorelli brought up, well, you know, you, you've said you're a Christian because you just grew up in a Christian home all your life. I've heard that statement. I've heard other people like Ginny Weaver make comments in book in, in videos of self-deliverance that how do you know that you're saved? You just know. So, again, we're going to... Notice that, first of all, you you can't be a Christian all your life. This is just a side note, and and I think that this will be helpful. There's no such thing as someone who's been a Christian all of their life. You're born into sin. You're not born a believer. You're born into sin. You're born into a fallen world, and you're not automatically a believer because your parents are, or your grandparents are, or whoever raised you. You were born again by grace through faith in Christ alone. And that faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 talks about this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about this very thing. It is by grace that you have been saved, by faith, and you can't boast in that. So there's a problem there with a a huge misunderstanding and just a, a... a gross misconception of of saying something like that rather than presenting the the true gospel to people and then saying well i just know i'm saved because i'm saved you're saved because of what christ did not because of anything you did but because of what christ did on the cross for you for your sins again just as a side note that's something to be aware of when when people make these blanketed statements like this when we're talking they're talking about it there there's some indiscrepancies there that need to be addressed all these, the, the lists, the A to Z list that's in the book and the, and the legal rights. By the way, if you're a born-again believer, you've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that. So I guess the question could be posed is what legal rights does the enemy have to the temple of God? Because again, we must come back to the understanding of deliverance ministry. And it's not a rejection or denial that Satan exists or demons exist. It is the rejection that deliverance ministry, casting demons out Indwelling demons out of people is for born again believers, and scripture does not support that. And if it and there's no hope in that teaching, and then on top of that, when you have this teaching of you can deliver yourself, then who is the savior here? Who is the deliverer? Is just the name of Jesus being used in this, in like an incantation type of way or in a power play type way? And is there a horrible misunderstanding of who the Deliverer is and our need for Christ daily? And there's a word that we'll get to later that I that I believe is missing in all of this. And I know I've touched on it before, but I'm gonna go into a little bit more detail today with some resources I think will be helpful. But you hear this talk. I, I Many of us have heard these types of teachings before about deliverance in this capacity and self-deliverance and very little to any scripture being used but anecdotal stories which are being used as the final authority as the foundation upon which self-deliverance and deliverance ministry stands is on personal experience well i know so and so and that happened to them we have to go back to the word of god that person's experience is not the the authority it is not the final authority the final authority is the word of God. And the word of God does not support that a born again believer, a true born again believer can have an indwelling demon. And we also need to address the issue of sin. And I understand that they will, they will tip their hat to sin in deliverance ministry to a certain point, but it's, it's mentioned, I guess, to, I don't know, to, to cover the bases, but they'll use that and say, well, the devil can come in because you're sinning. The devil can inhabit you because you're sinning can physically indwell you as a believer in Christ. So what hope do you have as a believer if that if that's what is going to happen? Will you ever be free in this world? And and to make and again to make these promises, these empty promises that you'll stay free with what they believe, it, it doesn't hold up. And so going back to this book that that LeClaire republished when she uh, said that about you have, you have to apply that faith, she also stated that believers are also called to cast out demons, and this is what she said verbatim at the beginning of the book. She also states that believers are, are called to cast out demons, and she says, and you can cast demons out of yourself because it is part of the Great Commission found in Mark sixteen fifteen through 18. I don't know how many times I heard those passages for years quoted in what we were supposed to do and I quoted them for years as to what we're, we're supposed to do. And again, I know I've talked about this on another episode before, but I think it would also be helpful for you in your private study time to go and look at Mark 16, 9 through 20, and see what some of the uh, the translations they'll say in there that it's not in the oldest manuscripts. And so there's some question brought into that. Well, like, Even if it's not in the oldest manuscripts, that does not change the gospel. And some of these individuals that hold to these these passages and will say you know in my name those who believe in my name will cast out demons again look at the context of and the audience of who jesus is speaking to i would highly encourage that but this is a very well known passage that that's uh, referred to many times of going to all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and notice they'll 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 state It's uh, 15 through 18, but they'll skip immediately to to 17. And, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And then as you go on, you'll see that that actually did take place, as Jesus said it would, because he was speaking to the disciples that he was in the room with at that time. So, you know, these passages are referenced and, and you're told, well, because Mark 16, 15 through 18 says you can cast demons out, that means you can cast demons out of yourself. That's what she just said in her own book. But is that what it says? <laughs> is that what it says? Okay. So she, in some of these videos, she talked about that she wrote the book because of the pitfalls and the problems arising for those who do self-deliverance without understanding the proper protocol. And where is the protocol is the question. And she She's mentioned this in other videos as well, that, um, that there was a protocol that Jesus and the apostles followed to cast out demons. Where is that protocol? If their protocol is in there, then why isn't every deliverance, quote-unquote deliverance minister following that same protocol? I mean, they don't even a- agree or acknowledge the same steps when it comes to self-deliverance, for example. I mean, Mike Signorelli, in his video, he said the first step was to confess. The second step was to renounce. The third was to command the demons to come out. You had Vlad Savchuk, who gave the the list at the beginning I gave you through the video clip. The nine steps, and all of them seem to mostly begin with an R, uh, about renounce, release, resist, remove, uh, renew uh, replant yourself. I mean, just going on with this different little, these little alliterations. And so we see these different things that are mentioned to do, and they don't really have the same protocol. So where is the protocol in scripture for casting demons out of born again believers? We don't see this protocol in scripture. That's the problem. This is a made up doctrine that's being perpetuated and it's a lucrative business, y'all. This is a lucrative business to talk about spiritual warfare and talk about demons and talk about the supernatural because it sells books. People like this stuff. It attracts the crowds. It's not boring, but it's also not biblical when you're talking about Christian deliverance. And it makes people spiritually lazy it basically blames the devil for your problems and it and it it will again cause you to maybe tip your hat and give a little bit of responsibility but ultimately it's you're on this hamster wheel with all these hoops on you that you're having to jump through in order for you to try to be free and you're never free with with this method because this is not this is not what a born again believer is called to do we are not told to do this as christians One thing that that Jennifer LeClaire mentioned in her book and even in some of these videos is that she said you do not just want to go to the part of the book where you identify what your issue is. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And my response to that would be is that the Holy Spirit will guide you back to Scripture in the proper context and not this book. Because it's going to, at beginning, she talks about Jesus and all the things he did, and it's going to lead up into, you know, these are the things you need to do, these are the signs you need to look for if you're oppressed, and you need to cast a demon out of yourself— But then they'll say, well, you know, but just because you show some of these things, that doesn't mean you have a demon. It's so confusing. (laughs) It's so confusing listening to these people sometimes because you're thinking you just contradicted what you literally said seconds before or a minute before, and it's negating what you just said. Why don't you just go back to the word of God in context? it's sufficient. That's all I got to say about that. It's sufficient. All right, real quickly, I wanted to look at a couple of things from Vlad Savchuk. Now, I had a sister in Christ send me this video about self-deliverance, and and this topic had already been on my radar for a while. I have a list that I keep of topics that I want to cover, and um, until the Lord comes back, I highly doubt that I'll ever run out of them because there's a lot of stuff out there that, that can be discussed. At any rate, uh, Vlad Savchuk released one of these, this is one of his five videos, it's about 11 minutes long, 11 and a half minutes long, that he talks about self-deliverance and he says that self-deliverance is real, he referenced Proverbs 6, 3 and 5, as I mentioned to you, to support de- uh, self-deliverance, which that has nothing to do with self-deliverance in being free from demons in any way, shape or fashion does it mean that, and in no context does it mean that. And as he goes on, he does mention other passages, uh, such as one of the most well-known ones that they'd like to talk about in the deliverance ministry is uh, as far as dealing with the spirit of fear. So they'll address that. And one of the ones you may know where I'm getting ready to go is 1 John 4.18. And 1 John 4.18, let me just read this to you. And then there was one other passage that he read that was completely out of context. I wanted to just mention. And I want to do this as an exercise. This as I've done before in other episodes, this is an excellent exercise. If you're ever listening to these people, whether you're testing them, or you have a family member, or a friend, or a loved one that, l- that enjoys listening to some of these teachings, and they just think it's, it's truth, encourage them in this, and I'm going to encourage you with this. When you're watching one of these videos of these people, no, no matter who it is, actually, whenever you're watching one of these videos, though, in, in regards to this, this topic and others, like this, when they come to a Bible verse, I would suggest that you stop the video. And I would suggest that you go and open your Bible, and you find that verse that they're talking about, and you read it. And, and I'm going to show you why this is important in just a minute, okay? But first, this is one of the verses that, they, that many of them like to go to. Many of It wasn't just Vlad. It was, it was Jennifer, uh, several of them, like to go to this particular verse. First John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And they just stop right there. Now, this is one of them that I think is very important that we that we go to, and there's another one that it, when I saw it, I thought you've got to be kidding me, <laughs> but that definitely this one too. So I would encourage you stop this this episode right now, open your Bible if you haven't already, and r- read along and see is that the entire verse, and is that the context when you're talking about a spirit of fear? They'll also go to Second Timothy one seven again. I know this is a lot of stuff I'm covering. I'm repeating myself um, from other episodes. And I'm going to have links to several deliverance episodes that I've done. So if you're interested in watching them or re-watching them, then you can do that. And that way you'll have a a list of them that you can refer back to. But these are the two of them that they like to refer to for a spirit of fear. So if you're doing self-deliverance, or you think you're doing self-deliverance, then you're going to see that they're going to say, well, if you have a spirit of fear... You know, First John four eighteen says, perfect love casts out fear, and they'll just stop there. But if you're reading this verse, you're, you're going to see that it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. But back up to verse 17. And just read that, and it will help you to understand what verse 18 is talking about. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is talking to born-again believers and giving them the assurance that they have no judgment in Christ. Their judgment and their punishment has been paid for by what Christ did on the cross. So that's the context. This is not about there's no spirit of fear, because perfect love casts out fear as if it's like a a demon. That's not what that's referencing. So do you, you see how this can be misconstrued? And easily, just taking a portion out can cause a problem. Let's listen to one other one real quick. I've got one, uh, one clip of one more clip of Vlad I want to play, and then we're going to dive into a lot of scripture today. And we're going to use a word that you and I both need to be aware of as born again believers.
2: Is renounce, renounce all contact with the devil and with the occult. When you renounce, you break away from the chain. You break away from the connection that the enemy might have had toward you. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 it says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Renounce the hidden things, renounce the secret sins, renounce the shame, renounce the guilt, renounce the covenants, renounce the vows, renounce the promises, renounce the spells, renounce witchcraft, renounce occult, renounce demonic objects, renounce what the Lord brings as you recognize that you have a spiritual problem, as you repent, and as you renounce, now you are ready to release yourself in Jesus' name.
3: Now I want to read to you again the verse that he quoted, and this will be on the YouTube channel when it goes up, so I know you can't see it on the podcast, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, this is this is what he quoted as being that verse, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. And that's, that's all he did. And then he went on to say, so we renounce uh, th- this whole list of hidden things and secret sins and shame and guilt and covenants and vows and um, uh, witchcraft and the occult and demonic objects and anything that the Lord brings to mind. I mean, he went through all these things, and this is what you're supposed to renounce. Based on Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. So I want to read something to you first before we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. There's a couple of things, actually. But in this one particular study Bible that I have, it's the ESV Church History Study Bible. And at the beginning of it, it's nice because they give just a, a summary of what the letter entailed as far as what was being addressed uh, as an overview of it, if you will. So 2 Corinthians 4, if you're familiar who Paul is addressing... In this letter, he's he's talking to the Corinthians again, but this time, instead of focusing on unity, this is what the overview says in this uh, ESV study Bible, it says, while 1 Corinthians called for believers to be unified with each other, in this letter, Paul urges the church to be unified with him in his ministry, because Paul's opponents were undermining his work, claiming that his suffering proved he was not a true apostle. Paul responds that his suffering highlights his dependence on Christ, as it points to Christ's strength rather than his own own. And 2 Corinthians includes stirring perspectives on gospel ministry, which is found in chapters 2 through 5, encouragements to holy living, chapters 6 and 7, and instructions about giving, chapters 8 and 9. Paul wrote this letter from Macedonia a year after writing 1 Corinthians about AD 56. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. And let me just remind you again what Vlad just said 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 is. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. And he's using this verse in order to teach that this verse leads you to understand that you need to renounce the occult, witchcraft, hidden sins. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't repent of hidden sins or or things that the Bible explicitly says not to be involved in, in works of darkness. I'm not saying that because we should. But what I'm saying is he's taking this verse— and he's applying it to his teaching on self-deliverance. He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Now let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. I'm reading out of the ESV. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Is that the same thing? I mean, even when you go to the, it seems to be the New King James that he referenced. So if we were to go to an online source and to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and we read it in the New King James Version, let's see if it's the same as what he just read. The New King James Version says, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he didn't even take the full verse and say what it was talking about, because Paul is addressing the super apostles that have come behind him and are essentially trying to undermine his ministry and trying to, and to make the... Um, the accusation that he is not a true apostle because of his sufferings. And he is giving the Corinthians instructions about this. And he's essentially doubling down and saying as an apostle, he is not going to do deceitful things and undermine and do things that would um, undermine the gospel. And so I want you to recognize that. And I, one last thing, ambrosius who was a, a scholar back in the early church time, There is this quote in here for this very verse that I want to read to you because I thought, well, this is this is fitting for this. Ambrosius said, "Whoever dreams up teaching in order to deceive the hearts of simple people will be found guilty on the day of judgment. The craftiness of an evil mind corrupts the words of God and makes them mean the opposite of what they say." Now, that was pretty fitting. And I and I honestly, I truly do. I pray that these people repent and, and stop doing this because they're not teaching what's found in Scripture. Self-deliverance is not found in Scripture. And these verses, even taking a portion of the verse, does not support their teaching. You may be thinking, well, OK, then what's your answer? You're bringing a problem as I normally do, a problem or a concern, what is the solution? What is the answer? Because I, and I believe in this. I believe that if you're going to bring problems, you need to bring solutions. So the solution is Scripture, and rightly understood. That's the solution to these problems, is the Scripture rightly understood, and you and I being good Bereans and not being spiritually lazy. And what I think happens in this movement, and and a sister in Christ and I were talking about this the other day with a different issue um, that goes on. But I think in this movement What happens is that because people focus so much on the spiritual aspect, and not that the spiritual aspect is not important, but when we have such a huge focus on the spiritual aspect, and then you're told, well, don't be intellectual, don't overthink it, don't overanalyze it, don't let your mind get in the way, don't let your mind quench the spirit, then you are shutting down critical thinking and you're shutting down uh, being intellectual and you're promoting anti intellectualism, is essentially what happens. And I think what what it, that leads to is spiritual laziness. And so all of us have been guilty of this. We want a quick answer, and, and we want something to fix this problem that we're having, or we want God to speak directly to us and tell us what's going on. Well, He has spoken to us. <laughs> it's through Scripture. There is a word that all of us as born-again believers need to be aware of in our lives after justification, and it's called sanctification and it is not instantaneous it is a process we see this in scripture where there's positional sanctification that goes along with justification and then there's progressive sanctification and that is what we go through as born again believers and paul and others talk about this in scripture i mean it's noted in scripture when you see this as far as dealing with sin that we can we have an advocate with the father that we are to continually Uh, and and the other and other believers in scripture were um exhorted to not walk in the ways of the flesh to to put on the new self to put on christ to not gratify the desires of the flesh so that that seems to mean that they were doing that and paul and others were uh, admonishing and exhorting these people don't do that that's not the way you learned christ so this is something that we contend with. But the good news is, as believers, is that we have not been left ill-equipped. We're not like the world, that we're without hope, and that we are no longer under the judgment of God. So we now have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit to help us and to lead us and to guide us into truth and to continue to conform us to the image of Christ. This one, this first article I found came from Ligonier's website when I was doing some reading on this. And the name of the uh, article, which I will have in the link description below, is called How to Mortify Sin. It was written by Sinclair Ferguson. It's a wonderful article. I'm just going to touch on a little bit in here with the scriptures that he mentions, because he talks about sanctification in here, about how to mortify sin. If you've heard of John Owen, the uh, Puritan, he wrote about the mortification of sin. And so Sinclair Ferguson talks about this uh, conversation he was having with a friend that was asking him about the steps involved in helping someone mortify sin and so they were having this talk back and forth and ferguson mentioned several passages that came to mind for bible study the first one was romans 8:13 it says for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live the next one was romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 14 It says, O no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The next he mentions is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. Just for time's sake, I'll quote some of these and then you can read them on your own time. But again, I will have the link provided to you below in the description so you can read this article that I think will be most helpful to you. The next ones he mentioned were Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 through chapter 5 verse 21. He mentions Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, which says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He also mentions 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 and 1 John chapter 2 verse 28 through chapter 3 verse 11. And he also makes a note in this article saying only two of the three passages contain the verb mortify, which means put to death. And he says the context of each of these passages is broader than the single exhortation to put sin to death. And so as he goes on, he he expounds more on Colossians 3 uh, verses 1 through 17. And he talks about how in these verses that Paul underlines how important it is for us to be familiar with our new identity in Christ. And that's highlighted in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3. Then Sinclair Ferguson goes on to say that Paul uh, exposes the workings of sin in every area of our lives. That's found in Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11. He says that Paul's exposition provides us with practical guidance for mortifying sin. That we learn to admit what sin really is. That we see sin for what sin really is in God's presence. That we recognize the inconsistency of our sin and that we put sin to death. This is the thing that is missing in this deliverance ministry, among other things. But this is what's miss- one of the big things that's missing is that when you're telling people out of one side of your mouth, well, not everything's a demon, but then most of your teachings are about getting yourself set free from demons and then you're not really addressing sanctification in true born again believers and i believe there are people in this movement that are not truly born again and i don't say that in a mean way but it has to be called into question when you have people writhing around the ground and they're and they're saying they're christians but then there's they're growling and doing all these things and vomiting and saying a demon's in them that needs to come out and that this is something that is consistently needed to be done, that you need to have deliverance maintenance done. I mean, these deliverance ministers promote the the teaching of deliverance maintenance every two to three months. Like Isaiah Saldivar has said before, well, I get my car's oil changed every 3,000 miles, so I think you should go in every two to three months and get deliverance done and make deliverance maintenance. Maintain your deliverance. A lot of them say this where is that in scripture it's not taught the apostles did not teach that we are we are under apostolic teaching right and it's through the apostles through the new testament so why is that not sufficient they're they're apostles they were they're the apostles of christ why is their teaching not sufficient for us to understand how to walk in the ways of god i mean ask yourself that as i'm sitting here pondering this I'm thinking, why is that not sufficient? We're under apostolic teaching if you want to believe that we're that we need to have be taught by apostles. Okay, well, I'm going to open up the New Testament and I can be taught by one of them. And what God inspired them to write and he preserved his word for us. Why is that not sufficient? I don't need an apostle today or a prophet today to tell me that I need deliverance because it's unbiblical as a believer. No, I need leaders that are going to come alongside and to say, this is what the Bible says in context, and this is how you can walk out sanctification in your life and be led by the Holy Spirit and to learn how to crucify the flesh. It's very interesting to me. I was pondering on Romans 8.13, and I read Romans 8.13 just to to you a minute ago, where uh, Paul is instructing believers in, in the book of Romans, and he's telling them, um, brothers, we are not debtors, in verse 12, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we put sin to death by the Holy Spirit. And what's fascinating to me, like when you, for example, just reading that verse in and of itself It's interesting to to consider how there are teachings on self-deliverance while ignoring passages like this that help us to understand who has delivered us, Colossians 1, 13, 14, and who continues to deliver us from the power of sin and and to kill sin, while also simultaneously claiming to be more superior in the view of the Holy Spirit. So those in this movement will claim to be superior, if you will. In, because they have a higher, they'll believe they have a higher view of the Holy Spirit. I don't see how you can have a high view of the Holy Spirit when you believe that He'll cohabit in a born again believer's body that has been purchased by the blood of Christ. And there seems to be this this hierarchy being made of well, we we believe we honor the Holy Spirit more. You're not telling people the power of sanctification in in the life of a born again believer that Christ brings. I mean, even when we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. I was listening to um, a Bible study recently from Steve Lawson, and this was so helpful when I was listening to it uh, because this is something that's that's not talked about in this movement you don't hear talk of you don't hear much talk of sanct- of, of justification or of repentance and sin quite frankly at least i didn't uh, some people may testify differently but i did not i did not hear I, be- I rarely heard that type of talk you did not hear about the wrath of god you didn't hear any of that taught but uh, one thing that's definitely not talked about is sanctification it's not it's not discussed um, among people. But when you look at verse 22 in First Peter, 1 Peter two twenty two, Jesus, he, this time about Jesus, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Excuse me, it wasn't 25 I wanted to focus on, but still, we need to understand that in context. It's verse 24. Because again, a lot of us have heard, by his wounds I have been healed. And we apply that as physical healing is guaranteed today, which it's not. That doesn't mean that God doesn't heal. But it says here, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So this is talking about not only justification, but we live to righteousness. That's talking about sanctification. In that message that I heard Steve Lawson do, it was so helpful because he said not only did Jesus die for uh, the penalty of sin, he died so that you could have the power over sin. There's no power. We're no longer under the tyranny of Satan as believers. That's good news. So you know what? You don't need self-deliverance. And you know what? You're not your own savior. You can't save yourself. You can't deliver yourself. God is your deliverer. He's delivered you from the wrath of God. Romans 5, 9, 10, 5 8, 9, 10. Read through there. You'll understand what you've been saved from. You've been saved from the wrath of God. I've been saved from the wrath of God. This is, this is in the Bible. <laughs> this is scripture. This is scripture. And it is sufficient for you, dear Christian, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is sufficient for you to grow in spiritual maturity. And you don't need self-deliverance. Or your friends and your family, and you may say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you may know of someone who does believe this. Then your friends and family, they don't need self-deliverance. They need the gospel. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they need to understand what justification means, sanctification, glorification, and they need to get into a Bible teaching church and they need to sit under good pastoral leadership that's going to guide them, guide the flock in the in the way of the word and let the word be the lamp that guides them. And not this nonsense about self-deliverance and that and standing for mass deliverance and you need to cough it up and you need to burp it up and you need to whatever. I mean, it can there's all kinds of nonsensical things out there that People will intentionally or unintentionally condition people on these videos. Well, you know, we're getting ready to pray a prayer for self-deliverance and you may burp or you may vomit or you may cough or, you know, spirits or breaths and they come out. I mean, it's all this conditioning that goes on. And then these people have these manifestations and they believe they've gotten demons out of themselves and they're still dealing with sin in their lives and they're still not understanding. They may not be born again, first of all. And secondly, they don't have a clue as to what sanctification is. And also too, there's another article just for time's sake, I won't get into, but I'm going to share the link with you at the bottom. There's another article that I found that's off desiring It's about the on the mortification of sin. And this particular author is um, reviewing John Owen's book, and he's talking just highlighting about what it's what it talks about. And essentially going back to the fact of Us mortifying sin in our life is not a legalistic thing, but it is ultimately for us to understand that sin affects our fellowship with God. It affects our communion with God. It affects our our relationship with God. And that's what we want to be aware of. It's not about you breaking your ancestral's curses off your DNA. It's not about you just uh, getting uh, like getting demons of trauma out of your life or getting a demon of a fear or phobias or breaking soul ties or breaking curses and you breaking these habits and you staying free and you believing you've set yourself free and you're getting yourself free and you're using the name of Jesus along the way. no. This is about you having real fellowship with Christ, real fellowship with God, understanding what the Word of God says so that you can be empowered by His Spirit and by His Word to walk in freedom that, only, that you can only have through Jesus Christ. It's very simple. The interview I did last week with Trish, if you saw that, She said something that I thought was really good. She said, these deliverance ministers have made this so difficult, and it's really simple. It's so simple. And and the Word of God is sufficient for us to know how to walk in the ways that God has established. And we don't have to have (laughs) self-deliverance. And when we sin, and we're going to do that because we are not glorified and we are not perfected. But when we sin in this world, then we have an advocate with the father, according to first John two, and he has taken the propitiation of our sins and we can go before the father. That doesn't mean that we've been given grace so that we can, uh, that sin may abound. Cause Paul talks about that as well in Romans. We're not given more grace so that sin can abound more. We are given grace so that we can come before the father. And when we are convicted by the Holy spirit, and by the way, conviction is a gift and that's the other thing, too. And, and so when we are given that conviction by the Holy Spirit and we're convicted because we understand what the Word of God says, we, we need to recognize that for what it is. Some may be quick to blame the devil when they feel conviction or shame for their actions, but a true born-again believer will feel conviction and shame because of sin. When they commit sin, that will be there, and that's a gift because it's the Holy Spirit that's quickening us and convicting us. And he brings us back to the understanding of who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, not in a deistic way, but in a way that we need to be reminded of the image to which we are to be conformed. Sin hates the light because it exposes the presence of it. And conviction is that gift that leads us to repentance, which is a continual part of a believer's life. We have wonderful news. We are not the Savior. Thank God I am not my own Savior. And Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I pray that He is yours, and that the Lord's prayer reminds us of our daily need for Him in every area of our lives. And as we circle back to the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, that prayer reminds us of our daily need for Him in every area of our lives. And so deliverance from the influence and temptation of the enemy in this world is one of those areas. And the Lord is faithful to help us in our time of need. I hope that you found this episode encouraging today and found it helpful. And as always, I invite you to reach out to me if you would like to do so. And just remember who your deliverer is. And whenever you hear someone that even slightly mentions a verse in scripture, I hope that you will open your Bible and read it in context and make sure what you're being taught is the truth and that you will rest in the truth of God's word, knowing that he is your deliverer and that what he has done for you is sufficient. And that as he sanctifies you while you walk through this world, that you're not alone and that he's equipped you with his word and with his spirit to know how to walk in his ways. I look forward to our time again as we look at another topic. Until that time comes, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at at dawnatlovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesickscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.